I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right. So we're in the third season of the United States of Terra, where everyone has a different haircut and no one is happy. Yeah. That that so basically uh, Trump's America. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's very good. It's very relevant to society. <laughs> this, this establishes the show in a quite quite a different direction. Again, uh, I think that they've changed the tone of the show a little bit, like they did in the second season. Um, it, it seems a little different now, again, but I think that that's how the show goes, and I, I'm liking it. Yeah, I, I like a lot of – we get some new characters already, and I remember a lot of where season three goes, and it goes in a very different place. Um, but it but it starts off with this – I mean I remember very well this scene of Buck going all Terminator with uh, right. trying to find people named Bryce Crane. We have I think a stronger development of – so the first two seasons had little parts of the mystery that is Tara first turned out to be her encounter with uh, – Trip Johansson. The second was the reveal of who Mimi was. Mm -hmm. But we already have the mystery of who is Bryce, where is he, what's happening, what exactly happened. Right. And that's going to be driving a lot of the plot of the season. Yes. And it, it it's a very minor part of, of only the first episode. They they kind of obliquely, you know, mention it a little bit in the second. But Yeah, they know that Buck is out and about and doing something, but Yes, and, and I think it's a really uh, good choice for the show to start out with such a strong opening. Now interestingly enough, they've gotten rid of the opening credits, which yeah. I know you hate. So Well, it's not that I hate them, it's just they were nice to watch once. I liked the Pollock polyphonic spree for a while but i don't like the song oh uh, yeah so okay. and it's after a while it's like i've seen it already like it's well, one that i skip and you know it's it's interesting because you know we, we we've talked a little bit about how the show i think needs to be longer I, hmm. I i think this show would have been better if it had been given a full hour and you know like 50 minutes whatever they want to do because I think that one of the reasons why they got rid of the opening credits, obviously, was to have more time yeah, for story. Yeah, an extra minute you know, an, or extra, two. an extra minute, essentially. And, you know, these episodes are all under uh, 30 minutes. But, you know, this the first two episodes of this season especially, I think, are longer than any of the other episodes before. They're, they're running at about 28 minutes. And that's without the opening credits. So now, of course, the previously on in the first episode, the season premiere is is almost two minutes long because they it's it's a catch up for, I think, people that. I've never seen the show before, uh, and I can't imagine going into this this season without yeah. having seen the show before. But I think they really were trying to you know gin up the ratings because this this is the last season of the show. We should say there's only you know ten, uh, twelve episodes left, six episodes of the podcast. But uh, you know, and it, no movie this time, and no movie this time. But uh, yeah, I think that. I mean, what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk? Because again, I don't think we're going to talk about yeah. "You Will Not Win" and "Cracker Jack" as separate episodes because it is very much. Um, they do have moments in them that establish them as, as different episodes, but well, they are very much continuing yeah. the same storyline. Specifically, Tara going back to college. Well, so there, yeah, there are a few. Well, I guess let's figure out what the plot lines are. So there is the Tara going back to college, and that turns out to that is probably the main storyline of these two episodes. There's Charmaine and Neil and the baby. Um, there is what Kate's doing and what Marshall's Marshall are doing. Those are kind of starts of storylines rather than storylines in and of themselves yes. so far. And then there's Max and... And then there's Max, who's actually getting an actual story this season, yes. it seems, which is exciting for him. And we actually have we have the answer to... We were not sure what exactly the deal with his business. Well, it was a family business that he inherited, so he does run it. He did seem to be the boss. Yes. But at this point, he is 
dealing with the post-2008 economy and the fact that he, as a little guy, can't compete against a big business. And, you know, even though the guy who is at the uh, corporation is a little brash to Max, he does make a point. They can get it done cheaper, and most people are just going to look at the bottom line. And he's I I like the guy at the corporation because he's almost cartoonishly uh, horrible in a way. He seems like an okay guy, but he's very, like— Given Max Scotch, and I got a piss. Like, yeah, exactly. I piss like a horse. I'm going to make this quick, and you're like, okay, dude, we get it. But at the same time, Max does realize that. I mean, the deal that he is giving Max, which is a better salary, managership, vacation time, you know, all of that is better. And especially when you're dealing with two kids who are about to go to college or may not go to college or whatever. They're at least met Marshall is going to. Yeah. And Kate, Kate doesn't seem very interested in going to college, but then again, Kate is still 16 exactly. or something. I, I don't really <laughs> understand what's going on with her, but I think she's 18 by now. I don't know. Um, she was 16 in the first season. That, yeah, and then, it, I think it's all like, this is the same year. I think this is like the next year roughly. Yeah. Well, no, this is only three months after the second season finale. So what, it's not and that long. So then there was, and there was a there was a three year t- there was a three month time skip between both seasons. So okay. that's six months. And even if the other seasons each take three or four months each, so it's it about, is it's about a year, about a year, a little over a year. If this if last year was beginning around because the first season dealt with the Halloween storyline, and this is maybe a l- shortly after school has begun. I so think they've also forgot that Kansas has winter. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a Christmas episode. It's true. Um, yeah, probably because they film in L.A. and they can't really do that very easily, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, let's talk about Charmaine and Neil first because yeah. I um I hate Charmaine. Oh my god. Yeah. She is being so horrible to Neil, and and you know it's it's one of those things. Man, which, poor Neil. I know, and episodes. he is. I really like what Pat Oswalt is doing on the show. I, yeah. I I like Pat Oswalt as an actor. I think he's he's underrated as an actor. I mean, he was a re- he did a really great job um, on Parks and Recreation as well as a as a minor character. And um, you know, he's he's obviously a, a, a you know stand up and things like that. But he does a really good job in these episodes of of showing the 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 vulnerability that he has and also yeah. the the deep love he has for Charmaine and and how hurt he is by her. And I I can't really figure out why Charmaine is being so I mean she's obviously trying to convince herself or fight the fact that she wants to be with Neil now even though I mean she is in denial about the fact that they are in a relationship yeah and you know making Neil sleep on the couch and and I just I don't know what the show is trying to do with her. Like there is when when she says to him, "Well, you need to get a job. I have a, you're having a kid. Like you know, and you weren't going to be a gardener." Like her saying but that she her, well, her calling Neil out as shift as shiftless and not really having a direction in life for Neil is valid. The man does not really have a direction in life. He's just kind of working for his friend's company and yes, you know doing but, whatever. But the fact that it's coming from Charmaine, whose big business idea has been sequenced hair bands urban duchess uh, yeah that that's what she comes off as hypocritical well she and well i mean and also she comes across as hypocritical because who the fuck is she to tell neil what to yeah. do you know she is not committing to him in any real way now of course you know neil was ridiculous to propose to her in that fashion yeah uh, you should he was never, also very drunk you should, he yeah he was drunk but i don't think he was that drunk i think he's a man who can hold his liquor uh you should never propose to someone unless you've had conversations about it. You know what the answer is going to be. Uh, but, you know, these are people that, charitably speaking, are not the most emotionally mature, perhaps. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. 
But yeah, I think Charmaine is just being undeniably cruel to Neil yeah. at this point, and I think is really using him. And mm. you know, that is a character trait that Charmaine has had, of course. I mean, she was using uh, Nick as well in a way to sort of like have a normal quote unquote life. And and once she left, once he left her at the altar, she could not really, you know, avoid the reality of the situation of her life anymore. But you know, Neil is a guy that's been there for her. They obviously have a connection. They obviously like each other sexually, which is always great for people. Uh, and also the fact that he's re- he really is being there for her. Yeah. And and you know, yes, maybe he's a little bit directionless. Maybe he doesn't have the most money and things like that, but. You know, I just feel like Charmaine is 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 just using him in such a way yeah. that that it, I think it's really undoing a lot of the work that the show did with her character in the second season to make her, uh, you know, more uh, not sympathetic because I don't necessarily think that characters need to be sympathetic, but more yeah. understandable. Well, I mean, e- e- even things like, I mean, both Marsh, both Max and Charmaine have very cynical attitudes towards Tara going back to school. And partially this has to do with the fact that, again, last time that she went to school, it ended up with a suicide attempt and her in the hospital. So, yes, that and is— let's, And let's make this clear that—I mean, we know where this goes, but it, it seems likelier than not at this point that there is another alter that— yeah. Tara did not try and commit suicide. The alter did because— Well, the alter didn't try to commit suicide. Well, the altar tried to kill Tara. Yeah. 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 That's, well, that's, that's a valid distinction. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to begin to, especially going with uh, Kate and T's discussion at the end, when it is be- we are very much dealing with the fact that these are other people using Tara's body in a way. And so, you know, it, Tara, T, for example, can't just, well, if she gets into a car accident, it's just hurting her. No, she's doing that to Tara. Mm-hmm. Well, she grabs a knife. I mean, you know, like yeah. these, the altars are getting a little more violent is what I'm saying. And, you know, I, I say that there's another altar out there because Tara does transition when she's writing her paper at the end of You Will Not Win. Yeah. And, it, you know, types out all that garbage about, you know, all, all work and no and, play. Right, exactly. Essentially, that's what happens. And then, you know, they have that co-consciousness moment where all yeah. the authors come out and Shoshana writes her paper for her. So my question is, is that what integration is going to look like? Because we have all the authors step in to kind of talk her down. And, yeah, Shoshana is pontificating and Alice is pouring tea. Buck's rubbing her back. And, you know, tea is miming oral sex with the remote. But they're all kind of... They're all working together in a way as a team to get Tara to – I mean, again, I think that's part of the show's interpretation of what integration looks like. Or yeah. is that too far gone within the – You know, I, I don't know. I don't know because obviously I don't think that we're supposed to take away from that scene that Tara is actually hallucinating the altars. No. That is obviously a visual metaphor for what is going on in her brain. And yes, maybe this is what integration yeah. looks like where, you know, because honestly, you know, if we want to get really uh, uh, philosophical about things, which, hey, we've never done hey. that before, but there is an element of, you know, where do thoughts come from? Um, you know, we've all had thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere from a different person, um, you know, and then these kind of things. And so you really do have to look at it and say, 
yeah, maybe this is what it looks like. You know, maybe Tara's DID is not so much something that is very different from what everybody else does because everybody does have slightly different personalities around yeah. different people. Um, they're just not as drastic as this, obviously. And they're not putting names to these different personalities and they're not uh, treating them as separate people. But maybe this really is what Tara needs to do to integrate that that she is... Uh, uh, treating this as okay, these are voices in my head, and I'm not necessarily hearing voices. I'm not. She's not schizophrenic, but it is that that the thoughts are there that are coming out, and she is naming them these different alters instead of yeah. transitioning physically into a different person. Well, yes, the ending is almost more of a Herman's head type of scenario than anything that uh, Tara's really dealt with previously. And, and please get ready for our Herman's head podcast. After <laughs> we do United States of Tara. We're not doing that. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and and you know what? what I, well, let's talk about Doctor Hatteras then, because you know yeah. Eddie Izzard's in the show, and Eddie Izzard's very good. I don't know necessarily that he's the most versatile actor, but he plays the hell out of this character. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> he's also not wearing a dress, which is always you know hard for him. I understand that, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. it's acting. I always have a problem with Eddie Izzard because he's a very sort of like, like you know queer friends in college really liked him yeah i know what you mean it it feels like very early 20s kind of stuff yeah you know i had a lot of friends who used to run around and quote the uh just to uh, kill yeah like what what did he call him the power transvestite executive transvestite transvestite. yes yeah that yeah that kind they used to run around and quote that all the time you know um, I don't know where those people are now. I, I hope they're fine. Well, they're in the camps with us in Trump's land. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh now. Uh, um, because yeah. we won't be laughing in six months. No, we won't. Um, yeah, and I think that he does a good job. I think that he is walking a fine line between being a complete asshole and, and just, you know, being a normal guy. Well, no, because, like, I, I, I think... There is something very sadistic to Dr. Hatteras where he is the kind of person who is going to pick on the mentally ill person in his class and just completely single her out and be just a complete dick to her. And then when they're back, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Hot dog? Have a hot dog. They're delicious. Like, And you can't really get too mad at him because he does put on the charm. And mm-hmm. he's just, I mean, if you want to talk about somebody who has two very different personalities, Dr. Hatteras is that person yeah (laughs) and and you know i mean it's interesting to have someone in the show that really does not believe that did is a real diagnosis and somebody who is all but we've had characters who don't believe that but he is the he's so far he's a trained psychologist that's it he's a person who has this from a bit of professional experience has a different opinion and so he can't be just completely when charmaine said in in season one oh did is not real mm-hmm. you know she's just mm-hmm. making it up she's just faking it that charmaine she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about but we have to assume that dr hatteras has seen some stuff at the same time her her the doctor from the clinic at the end of season one has seen did has dealt with people with it so i like that the show is muddying the waters a lot now yeah, definitely. And, you know, you know, stay tuned for Dr. Hatteras because he'll be in the show more. No surprise. You don't bring Eddie Izzard onto a show and not use him. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where that's going to go. And and I think that really what's what's key to that is is Dr. Hatteras, you know, so far has, you know, really shown himself to be, uh, uh, you know, I think a little bit um, uh, not. Uh, He's the kind of person who doesn't necessarily believe that all of the people around him are quite real. Yes. You know, yes. In, in a way, he is 
I mean, I thought it was really funny, especially given all of the stuff you hear about, like, well, millennials in college, you know, can't hear from when he's saying, like, I'm not your doctor, I'm your professor, I'm here to challenge you, you know, this is supposed to be hard, this is college, like, I think he just sees so many, he seems very, 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 very jaded. He's just seen so many kids come and go and so many. And he's not even that old. I know. That's that's the worst part. I mean, he's, what, late 30s, early 40s? He's, yeah. he's not that much older than Tara. Right, right. And he sees her as somebody who's, I mean, he thinks, he probably thinks of her as just, oh, she's some dumb housewife going into my class, taking a couple of classes and, you know, Instead of actually doing work, she's just going to suck up all the attention. But I think that there's an insecurity to him yeah. that, is, that he is masking through arrogance. Hmm. And that is something that obviously people do. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I do know, but we'll see if the show does anything more with that. But I really do feel like he does feel like he's a bit insecure. And, and he's masking that with his arrogance. Well, let's also put it this way. Shoshana may be just saying her usual rhyming aphorisms as part of her class. Like, the, the lecture she gives is absolutely incomprehensible. But she has the entire class, you know, watching her. And he says with a little bit of rue that... You know, four students want to tra- transfer into her class. Yeah, like, I, I think that was one of the best lines of the episode, yeah. actually. <laughs> like, you, you, you can't picture him being happy about that. And frankly, to a degree, his job is probably – he probably got a little in trouble for this because he couldn't control one of his students. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's able to explain it away, but Tara is a little difficult of a student for him right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let's talk about um, about Max specifically with Tara going back to college as well because yeah. – you know, it, it, it's very nice, I think, that their relationship has sort of repaired a little bit since since where we saw yeah. in the second season because he does explain to her exactly why he's so scared yeah. about her going back to college. As Tara said, she doesn't want him to lie to him. She, If he's dealing with something, he should tell her, and he does, and she understands. You know, she doesn't change her plans or anything, but she knows where he's coming from and knows it's coming f- – because it could be very easily coming from a place of, I don't want my wife to go to college. Right, and right. It's not that it's at not all. It's not that. He's scared she's going to try and commit suicide. Again. Yeah. Now, I also think the other thing, too, there is that um, in a weird way, Tara is not really central to these two episodes. She is and she isn't. I mean, her decision to go back to school to finish her degree is certainly a precipitating event for a lot of stuff in these episodes, but – it's mostly things that are around her. Yeah. She's not really doing anything aside from going to school. And, you know, her alters are writing her paper for her. Her, you know, Shoshana comes out and, you yeah. know, certainly she does, um, you know, get into the class and she has that interaction with, with, with Dr. Hatteras. But, you know, for the most part, um, everyone around her is just sort of in their own worlds right now yeah. doing their own stuff. And, you know, Charmaine has the false labor. Neil is dealing with his issues. Max is dealing with his issues. Um, Marshall and Lionel are having serious discussions about whether or not they'd be together if they were not in high school in Kansas. The answer is probably no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but I think the both of them know that answer and that's a difficult thing for them to deal with. You know, I mean, I like them together. I think that Marshall is, is definitely coming into his own as a, as a gay man or he's gay getting, teenager but he's getting a lot more like sarcastic like you could tell lionel yeah. is he's hanging around lionel a lot because he makes a lot of snide remarks like yeah he and his hair is awful but that's fine we've all had awful hair at 17 yeah, <laughs> yeah and i think that um you know there's not a lot going on with with lionel and marshall i think the show is just you know just establishing that they're still still together and they're being kind of horrible and that's fine um the movie they make is 
is impressive and terrible at the same time. (laughs) I like that they're trying to make this horrifying movie, and it is like, whoa, but not as bad as it could be, although, you know, for three kids in the middle of, you know, to be able to do that is still pretty good. But I also think that, that yeah, definitely, it's true. But I also think that it's interesting that, um, you know, for in the second episode, uh, Cracker Jack, they're they're in school and they get it, you know, they're taking this film class and, and you know, the teacher puts all, you know, well, they say four gay students, but he's only third, three gay students, you know, together. And in one in a halo brace. And, and it is that very sort of, you know, soft bigotry where he's like, I'm expecting great things from you guys. Yeah. Razzmatazz. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, but, you know, what's really interesting to me about that is that Lionel is not the one who's driving that conversation about. Oh, he put the gay students in the group together. This is yeah. bullshit. He just wants us to be together because he's a homophobe. And it, Marshall's saying all that yeah. stuff. So I think that's another way that Lionel is rubbing off on him. Well, and this is also – but this is also going with Marshall's being uncomfortable at gay being the core of his identity. Remember, he said he wants he, – he said, I like guys, but I also like films. You know, Marshall wants to make movies. At this point, he's decided he's he's got a video camera. He's got in Orlando the camera baby, and they're going to – he's going to be a filmmaker. Sure, of course. He's in that spot. That makes complete sense. And certainly, these are going to be films made by a gay man. They're going to have Marshall's unique sensibility in the world. But at the same time, he wants to be judged as somebody who is making films. Obviously, whatever profound razzmatazz statement that – the teacher is expecting, you know, the four guys to make a thing about how difficult it is to come out. That is going to be un- impossible to critique because it's brave. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And Marshall is rubbing up against that because he feels like I want to be judged as a filmmaker. I don't want to. I don't want my special circumstances, meaning that he's gay, meaning that he's grown up in a house with mental illness, meaning mm-hmm. that he's he doesn't want his art to be judged by that. He wants it to be judged on its own merits. But is he rubbing up against Lionel is the question. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. How Lion- do you think they're going to get pregnant with the camera baby? <laughs> and Lionel is 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 kind of, you know, toned down a little bit. He's not as as, as radical as he has been. And I think that he's yeah. you know, that's that's a nice thing about it is I think that, you know, for a first relationship the two of them are having, you know, Marshall's rubbing off on Lionel a little bit and Lionel's rubbing off on yeah. Marshall a little bit. And they're kind of you know, Marshall's getting a little bit more sarcastic and a little bit more radicalized and Lionel's getting a bit more quiet and calm. <laughs> but I mean you see it in these two episodes in the first where Marsh where Lionel is rubbing up is we're saying rubbing up and rubbing off and all of that. I mean, in the, we, we okay. can't do this in Trump's America. Um, Lionel and Marshall are engaging in, you know, frotage, to use the old term. In weird teenage sex. Okay. Um, they, 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 they Come on. They've given each other blowjobs, at least. I know, but they've got, yeah. Very anyway. bad ones. <laughs> with teeth. But, you know, they've done it. But, you know, Lionel goes from the first episode saying that he doesn't want the term relationship and what does that matter to in the second episode worrying and kind of legitimately like do we have an actual connection are we just you know two gay dudes who stand each other and if we had a bigger population to choose from would we still have chosen each other would Mm -hmm. we have even met each other and the answer is probably no but that's not a bad thing you know i think that's the thing about it is you know we're talking a lot about marshall and, and and lionel mostly because we're gay men and we love talking about gay stuff but uh, <laughs> what, what was the line that uh, Ted has? Like, this is like, it's like I'm in a buffet and I can do everything with the food except put it in my mouth. He's kind of a creep. That's why I'm not a college professor because I would be neighbor Ted. <laughs> but uh, I don't like he's he, neighbor Ted sticking around. He's good. <laughs> um, 
I think that what re- what it really comes down to is that the, the, this relationship is good training wheels for them. And yeah, you know, if they're if they were not going to be together, if they were living in New York City and going to fame school or whatever, like you know, <laughs> that's fine. It's just fine. I mean, there is an element of numbers to it, and there is an element of. I mean, Christ, it's like I'm 35 years old and live in Portland. And how many, like, you know, single gay men around my age that I would actually want to date are there? Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to do that math in my head because the number is probably, like, depressingly low. So. No, it's true. I, I mean, And that's the thing that straight people don't get, I think, too. Yeah. I, I Again, I think it's clear that at this point, Marshall and Lionel have, you know, maybe initially didn't like each other and it took a little to warm up to each other. But. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did because they are, again, the only, you know, they keep getting put together as the gay kids. And so eventually, just through sheer exposure to each other, I'm not even going to try. Um, You know, they they become. All I can say is thank God both actors are over 18. Uh, uh, uh. No, but they, you know, they become best friends and then boyfriends. And like that makes sense. I think they should look at that as a gift in a way that they, because they wouldn't have had, because at this point, their friendship and the relationship, whatever you're going to call it is genuine. They Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. they do have a common set of interests and a common outlook on life and all of that. And so, and they can get better at blowjobs together. Exactly. So it's a good thing that the numbers were so small. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than looking at and saying, you know, Lionel looks at that and he fears that their relationship is not legitimate. But again, I think it, kind of does legitimize their relationship because they it's so do, rare. I mean, they do like each other. Yeah. It's not like they hate each other or anything. But this, again, this, this, this is... This, the, it's really interesting to me because, like, aside from Max and Tara, this is probably the most functional romantic relationship the show has had. It's true. You know, Charmaine and Neil are certainly not functional. Uh, and no Charmaine one Kate's Nick, ever had. No, no one Kate's ever had is f- functional, which I'm actually glad that they seem to have completely gotten rid of... Uh, What's his Zach, name? Yeah. Zach, yeah. Her leaving him out was was that. <laughs> well, let's talk about Kate. There's not a lot to talk about. She she's not doing much in these two episodes besides living with Charmaine and helping her with Urban Duchess, and then deciding to go to Japan to teach English. Which okay, fine. Yeah, but I yeah, and that that's a very interesting scene when she presents it to her parents because on the one hand she is. This is something that for Kate is going to be an excellent experience and whether or not she does it for the rest of her life, it doesn't matter. You know, this is the kind of thing that people do for a year, two years and then move back home from, you know, and again, if this if this is a time frame of a little over a year or about a year, Mm -hmm. this is her saying, no, this is who I am now is especially when it's a lot of money at a time where the future of max's company is a little in doubt is, right. is a is a far thing right i mean she asked for 800 dollars, which yeah. is a lot of money and apparently she did sell the car so she's going to go but yeah and that kate does figure out how to get the money does kind of demonstrate how serious she is about it mm-hmm. i mean and, and i mean i you know to be clear i think kate is a little lost and i think kate was a little lost yeah. last season kate is a character who was a little lost in general you know, she doesn't really know what she wants to do. She doesn't know where she wants to go in life yet. I mean, she knows that she wanted to get out of the house, and she did that, although she lives next door. But With her aunt, yeah. But still, you know, she did get out of the house, to her credit. No, it's a, it's, it's a fine – again, she's 17. That's a fine interim step. Yeah, yeah. And I also, you know, the one thing that I think is 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 most interesting with Kate in these two episodes is the scene in the first episode You Will Not Win where they go to Barnaby's, which yeah. on the one hand I really hated because it really showed a lack of empathy on Tara's part to decide to go to that restaurant. Yeah. But also, well, 
but but um the fact of the matter is kate is a very dynamic person and people remember her and all of the employees that worked with her come over and they're just like why are you here what oh my god i, I said that was you, you she's know? a little legendary yeah. yeah um and she can't really handle that but I, I, I mean, for to Tara's credit, I don't think Kate ever really told her what happened at Barnaby's, why she left that job. That, I mean, that's true, yeah. I, I think about she had a line to – Tara has a line to Linda B. Frazier at one point. She said, you know, last month she wanted to be the manager of Barnaby's. You know, she wanted to own – run the entire Barnaby's chain or something like that, and now she's going to be a bill collector. <laughs> you, you know? Right. Which is, again, going with Kate is trying on a lot of different jobs, but – as far as Tara is concerned, she left Barnaby's just because she got bored with it and found something else. I don't think Kate really yeah, told yeah, her much that's of actually, what happened. That's actually true, yeah, and especially with what was going on with Tara in the first season. And it, and really, I think that's what it comes down to is that you know these two episodes are continuing the pattern of, of having these characters yeah. not really know what, what's going on in each other's lives. I mean, you know, Charmaine's not really cognizant of it. Neil certainly isn't. Um, you know, Max really isn't. Uh, uh, you know, Kate is off doing whatever she's doing. Marshall's off doing whatever he's doing. I mean, Marshall and Kate are still close and they have a good relationship, yeah. but... And Marshall and Kate are, interestingly enough, the two people who are the most supportive of Tara going to college. Yeah. They yeah. don't seem to have any reservations whatsoever, although there is a bit of projection as for a, someone who's 16, 17, 18, college means I'm going to get out of the house and go out of there and, you know, get get my life and become an adult, mm-hmm. which... Is not necessarily the case for why Tara is doing this. Yeah, although certainly absolutely. there are resonant reasons. I think you know Tara's doing it for yeah. for, for self esteem reasons essentially, and I think she feels like this is something that she can control. Yeah, so that to makes finish sense it, to me. grow as a person, all of that. But she's also not, she's not doing college because she wants to become independent and be on her own, right? Well, let, let maybe the the maybe the last thing to talk about, or the second to last thing to talk about, um, depending on if you have anything you want to talk about, is. Um, T coming out at the end of the second yeah. episode and, and, you know, kicking a hot dog, kicking a hot dog and also getting drunk and finding this random guy to, to do what was his with. name? I think she called him J dog. <laughs> Who is he? I don't know. He owns a truck. <laughs> right. It seems like a totally T thing to do, but, uh, you know, she's getting violent. Kate is very much being the parent in this of a teenager in this situation. Give me the keys. You're not allowed out of the house. Well, that's, that's what really struck me about that scene is that I don't think T really wanted to stab Kate. No, she's being, she was, I I think she was threatening to stab doctor. uh, What's his name? Right. But she, she had her Yeah. But but she's being unpredictable. She's being a little, you know, uh, erratic, frankly, at the very least. And she punches Kate. At the very least, T is intending, while very drunk, to get in behind the wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that even if she doesn't, all, all she does is just go to the bar. Right, that's a problem. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I think that Kate is. I mean that that scene to me really does show that Kate is is developing into a more mature person yeah. because. I don't think that she would have done that in the first season. I think that she would have just gone, oh, fuck, whatever. I don't yeah. care. And now she's really, you know, she's always been protective of her mother. But now that she's older, I think she's sort of realizing that, um, you know, these these other personalities don't really have a right to do things with her, bo- yeah. her body that, that she would not want to do. And that even goes back to the first season when they go off on that trip and T wants to get yeah. a tattoo and Kate's like, this is my mother's body. Don't do this. You can't do this. And, you know, Kate is younger then and she doesn't feel like she can stop it. Yeah, but yeah, now yeah. that she's older and she feels more secure, she she can stop it. Yeah. She can physically restrain her. Um, 
And there, but there is also the understanding from Kate that T fucking up his her mother's life is even going to fur, further fuck up Kate's life. Yeah, like, yeah. Kate is now realizing the degree to which all of this shit is intertwined. It 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 isn't just you know T appears and then Alice appears and then you know no they're all these are a bunch of people that we live with that can fuck things up. Is this the intersectionality of DID? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I think that's it, unless you have anything else. Um, I did like at the end of the first episode when they're talking about the peanuts and Neil says, oh, let's be honest, I would still call him the black one even if I knew his name. Yeah. I never caught this before. Yes. But there's this very there's this very quiet voice that says, it's Franklin. Like very pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I like that little detail. It's a good show. Yeah, these are two good episodes. I think it's a good, strong start to the season. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see where the show goes. And I hope you are, too. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any comments you would like to leave on uh, either of these episodes, uh, please just go to tuninginshow.com and leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trekaboutshow, which, coincidentally enough, also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. We are in the middle of the seventh season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, so go listen to that. Voyager is coming, people. Voyager is coming. That sounds very, very, very ominous. And it should. Voyager is rubbing off on us. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. We only have two and we want more. So if you listen to the show and are enjoying it now that we are, I don't know what episode this is. 47 or something. Oh, my God. Oh, no, it's episode 28 because I have a number here, even though we never say it. Uh, Please do go to iTunes and leave a review. All right. Next week, we're going to be talking about season three, episodes three and four, which are called. All these names are getting wacky again. Oh, boy. The full fuck you finger and wheels. Mac, why do you.